Hello. Welcome to the 10th episode of Inside the Brain Of, where I'll interview a manual therapist to get inside their brain and try to understand how they incorporate neurokinetic therapy into their approach to patient or client management. My name is Eric Nelson. I'm a board-certified sports chiropractor and NKT instructor. If you're listening and you're not an NKT provider, hopefully this podcast will give you some insight as to what NKT is and how you can utilize it to help your patients or clients. Uh, please note, I also recently started a Facebook page, so make sure you like and share the Inside Your Brain page. And also, uh, I've made these podcasts available on iTunes, so if you utilize iTunes and enjoy the podcast, make sure you write a positive review. Thank you. Now, uh, I have a great guest tonight, but before I like to talk about some uh, tips uh, that providers or new providers or actually any provider can utilize to help them uh, figure out their patient's case. Uh, one of the biggest issues or concerns or questions when someone first starts out is, you know, where do I begin? And, um, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of different answers for that, but the, the number one place to begin no matter what is with a good history. So tonight I thought I'd give you just some tips on um, questions or, or directions you should look at when taking someone's history. Now, again, there's many ways to do it, many questions you can ask, but this is something that I utilize, and um, I thought I would share you this as it's part of my uh, patient management system. And as I always say, it's always good to have a system for anything you're doing. So uh, I, I um, use a couple of different things. The first thing with, with the history is finding out, obviously, what the patient's chief complaint is. And then you can explore that a little bit uh, by a simple little, uh, I don't know if it's a mnemonic, but abbreviation, O-P-P-Q-R-S-T. So you want to find out the onset. You want to ask any questions about anything that makes it feel better or palliative or provocative. That can tell you a lot of information right there. If maybe someone is has no pain when they're sitting, yet they have pain when they're standing, for example, or when they contract their muscle versus not contract their muscle, when they're lifting weight or not lifting weight. Um, a lot of different questions you can ask just about when the patient's present, if anything gets it better or worse. Also, the quality of pain can kind of give you an idea. Is there numbness and tingling? Is it sharp and shooting? Is it a dull ache? Is it a toothache? Uh, there's different questions you can ask to tell about the quality. Uh, also, if the pain radiates, that's kind of a big one. If you're trying to rule out a disc issue or sciatica, uh, it's kind of good to know if there's radiating pain or numbness and how far down the leg. Does it stop at the knee? Does it stop at the buttock? Does it go all the way to the foot? Is it in the foot? Is it in certain toes? Is it on the top of your foot? Obviously, like I said, there's a lot of direction uh, that you can go with this. Uh, also, the site of the pain. You know, where exactly is it? Is it the lower back? Is it the middle back? Is it, you know, on the side of the back? Is it in the kidney area? Uh, is it in the buttock? Is it in the hip? Is it actually in the hip, or is it where they point to on their pelvis where they think is the hip? So that's kind of important as well, too. And then timing as well, too. Uh, does it happen in the morning? Is it at night? Is it worse with activity? Is it worse with rest? A ton of questions that you can ask revolving around this chief complaint. Again, OPPQRST. Now, uh, as far as the, 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 the next step is really getting a good past medical history. Now, I use a computer note system, a chiropractic-based uh, system here, and all my questions, a lot of my questions are in there. And what I like about it is I can constantly add different conditions to it. Uh, so that kind of comes up, and that's kind of good. But if you don't have a computerized note system, it's always good to have a very solid intake form. So the mnemonic here, or the abbreviations here, is F-A-O-M-A-S-H. So family history. You want to know if there's anything possibly there. Uh, if there's been any accidents that comes into play, do they have any old whiplash? That might tell you some information. Have they seen any other doctors about their condition? Um, that's, that's good to know. Maybe they've seen an orthopedist, neurologist, uh, rheumatologist. Uh, that can give you some information to find out what these other doctors have said and if they had any other imaging or anything like that. Are they currently on any medication? Uh, again, a lot of people are on medication these days, uh, and a lot of these medications have side effects that could be causing your pain. I had a patient recently uh, that was having uh, some back issues, and it turned out that once she stopped taking her cholesterol medicine, all her aches and pains went away. 
So interesting things to look into. Uh, do, you, do they have any allergies? That's good to know as well. Uh, a big is surgeries. Have they had past surgeries? Uh, even though I have this on my form, it's amazing how many people actually neglect to tell me what kind of surgery they had. Uh, a common thing I now tell all my patients, and it just was recently, is I was struggling to solve a, a patient's case. They were having, uh, actually it was difficulty squatting. She couldn't squat, and not one muscle in her hip was working, and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then finally I asked her, I'm like, is there anything you're not telling me? And she said, oh, well, I had an ovarian cyst removed two years ago, and the scar is still uh, sensitive. Well, sure enough, localized the scar, and all the muscles on her hip turned back on. We did some work around the scar. Everything turned on. She got up and did a perfect overhead squat. It was pretty amazing. So that question about surgeries, extremely, extremely important. And that also goes with the, the H, which is hospital. Have they been in the hospital? And that's kind of important because maybe they were uh, uh, had to have uh, you know respiration hooked up to them and they had to be in intubated um, you know that kind of stuff is important because that can kind of give you an idea if there are any other scars involved as well too uh, the next uh, so that was F-A-O-M-A-S-H and then another little thing is U-S-S usual childhood diseases um, you know, something like Osgood Schlatter's, very common, uh, in that, you know, a lot of people, kids come in with knee issues. That's a good question to know right off the bat, especially if they're, even if they're in their teens or, or their 20s, or even for adults, it's good to know uh, these things if they've had them in their past. Social history, um, you can explore that a little bit, and then a systems review, if they have anything functioning with the GI, gastrointestinal stuff, um, ton of, a ton of options of questions you can ask here. And then I also always include, uh, I always try to find out if they have any, you know, fever, dizziness, nausea, uh, recent unexplained weight loss. Again, we're trying to rule out any red flags of cancer, infection, things to that effect. Uh, you know, you also want to know if they have any problems with their digestion, problems eating or sleeping. And, and the big one uh, that I've really been uh, exploring a lot lately is if they have any issues going to the bathroom. And that could be number one, or that could be number two. And I'm finding, especially um, since I assisted my guest tonight at level two uh, last month, I've been asking this question a lot, and I've been amazed by how many people, both men and women, have issues going to the bathroom. So it's extremely, extremely important. In fact, when I was assisting level two class, uh, one of our, uh, one of the people that was getting evaluated was having an issue uh, with his psoas, I believe, if that's correct. And, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out what it was, and it ended up that his pelvic floor was overactive. And then as we explored his history a little bit, it turned out uh, that he had diabetes. And when we explored that a little bit more, it, it turned out as a kid, because of the frequent urination, he had to learn to hold his urine. And he did that a long time. So over time, that developed into an overactive pelvic floor, which ends up being related to the problems he's currently experiencing. So again, taking a good history is extremely important, and the more you learn, the more questions you can ask, the easier it is going to be to direct you to where the issue is. And it's amazing. And every, every case that you see is a learning experience, and um, I, I'm just blown away by what each patient shares with me each day. But the bottom line at the end of the day is you have to ask questions. You have to ask the right questions. So um, if you have any questions about anything I've said thus far, you can send me an email at CairoRehab at Hotmail.com, or you can um, connect with me on Facebook. That's always the easiest way. Uh, make sure you send a friend request my way and, se and send me a message. Um, you know, I always like feedback, uh, positive or negative, or with any questions. Now, as we move forward here, I'd just like to point out that one of the reasons I started this podcast is because there's so many incredible practitioners from all, from all over the world and from all different professions that utilize NKT. And I know I'm curious about how these people incorporate NKT into their approach to patient management. And I figure that if I'm curious, there must be others who are. And in fact, I've received some great feedback on each episode so far. 
and I look forward to interviewing as many different NKT providers as possible. In fact, I've got a ton lined up. Um, next week, I've noticed um, I'm trying to pay attention to what people are interested in, and I know there's been a lot of chatter on the scholars page about trainers and how they implement uh, NKT in their practice. So next week, I have a great uh, guest, Andrew Riley, will be my guest, and we'll talk all about how he and his trainers that he works with uh, incorporate NKT into their practice. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But tonight, I'm very, very, very excited to introduce my guest tonight. She's one of the most brilliant and passionate people I know. I've had the opportunity to assist her for a level one and level two class, and each time I helped, I came away with a ton of knowledge. She's absolutely brilliant with her anatomy and with tons of different stuff, as you'll find out tonight as we explore. So tonight, it's an absolute honor to get inside of the brain of the one and only incredible NKT instructor and author of the daily inspiring, duly noted, Dr. Kathy Dooley. Hey, Kathy, how's it going? Oh, wow. I feel like my head just grew like three sizes. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Nelson. That was really nice. I'm great. Uh, you're great. Good. Where, where are you right now? I am teaching gross anatomy at St. George's University in Grenada, West Indies, for a few weeks. Oh, it must be inspiring having the opportunity to work in, in so many different environments. Um, yeah. You, you've been traveling all over the world. Um, yeah. where been, where, tell, why don't you share with us some of the places you've been, you've been lately? Oh, wow. Uh, see, in January, I went to London to teach AKT Level 1. Then went back the following weekend in February for Level 2. I uh, spent two different weekends in um, Toronto in February teaching Level 1 and Level 2, respectively. And then in March, I taught AKT all five weekends in March. It was awesome. Um, the first and second weekend was in Australia for the first time in a while. AKT made a resurgence there on that continent. And it went very well. We're going back in August. And um, then I went to St. Louis and then two different weekends in New York. So now I'm taking a little bit of a April off from NKT, and I'm excited to come back in uh, the summer. Awesome. That That is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it was now, amazing. And I know, I mean, imagine where you're at right now, the weather. And it's. I saw a picture you posted or a video you posted <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, my goodness. Very, very jealous. Very jealous. They haven't made here. It's 80 to 90 degrees all year. <laughs> I think maybe we might have to have our symposium down there next year. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background. Now, you're, you're a chiropractor. How did you choose chiropractic? Why, why chiropractic? That's a great question. Uh, when I was 21, I was experiencing uh, panic attacks. And I was en route to uh, get a master's degree in nutrition at that time, uh, doing my prereqs for that, and uh, I was just boggled by a panic attack. I was actually really relaxed. I was studying organic chemistry, and uh, something I actually enjoyed, but didn't stress me out. And all of a sudden, I couldn't breathe, and uh, felt like I was choking. And my boyfriend at the time took me to the emergency room, and they basically just tried to pump me full of a bunch of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And I said, wait a minute, I'm not depressed. And he said, it's for panic. And I said, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not panicked and I'm not depressed. This is weird. And so someone suggested that I go to a chiropractor. And after a month of suffering from panic, uh, after three adjustments, I was good to go. And so I started working for her. And then she wrote me my letter for Logan, called a chiropractic, and it was on. Nice. Awesome. So you went to Logan. That's where you went to school. Excellent. And and how did you get into anatomy? When did when did that happen? It's so funny. Uh, anatomy is a required course, of course, at uh, Logan in full body dissection, head to toe, and they spend uh, two different semesters on gross anatomy and then another in neuroanatomy. A lot of the other professions don't know that chiropractors dissect the human body from head to toe. A lot of people think it's reserved for medical students, but the chiropractors actually spend quite a bit more time in the anatomy lab than even medical students, which is disarming for a lot of people to hear. But uh, I felt very lucky. And so my, my first two semesters in school, I was in anatomy, and I wasn't very confident. I was an A student, but I wasn't confident enough to teach it. And then uh, they were low on tutors, and I was asked to tutor uh, by my colleague, uh, Ross Maddox, 
who is a dynamo of a chiropractor in St. Louis, he uh, put my name in and I took the exam and started tutoring. I was not confident. <laughs> I studied constantly. <laughs> and um, it was living in that laboratory. And then upon graduation, I realized how much I was going to miss that and how I wanted that to be part of my life. And um, I went on to get a master's degree in anatomy. Yeah, where would you do that at? I did that at New York Chiropractic College uh, up in Seneca Falls, New York. It's um, central New York. Wow. So you went, you graduated chiropractic school, and then you went to get your master's right after that? Yeah, I was only out for three months, basically. I, I spent the summer um, out and then um, did all of my, gathered all of my materials that I needed and waited, waited, waited for them to call me to tell me if I got it or not. And I had a fellowship, which is was pretty amazing. It was a thesis-driven fellow. So basically, I taught anatomy as part of the faculty, and then I got my tuition reimbursed because I was part of the faculty. And so I literally lived in a lab for three years. <laughs> it was great. Now, did you do? were you doing chiropractic stuff at that, or was it just pure anatomy at that time? Yeah, there was really no time because I was uh, doing my thesis, so I had to do anthropomorphic measurements and do a, a, a bevy of dissection. So basically I worked, you know, 12, 13 hours a day and there was no time. And even towards the end of my, uh, when I had already descended my thesis, towards the end of it, I was shuttling back and forth to New York to do externships. So it was not so easy to, to maintain the ability to practice. The only time I could have done it would maybe have been a, a random Saturday and it just, it never worked out. And so I didn't really go into full-time practice. Get this, not in full-time practice till September of 2011. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty new, actually. People don't realize how new I am. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so as we get into 2000, at the end of 2011, how did you, because I know we're coming up upon, you know, where you took your first NKT class. How did you find out about NKT? Oh, yeah, I remember. It was January 2012, and me, like almost everybody on the planet, had found NKT through Dr. Perry Nicholson. And Dr. Perry's Stop Chasing Pain website was something that I really liked. Someone had suggested it to me, and I really liked what Dr. Perry had to say. And uh, Dr. Perry had posted David Weinstock at uh, Peak Performance, and there were pictures up, and then they had noted that, that David was going to have a seminar in New Jersey, and I was free that weekend. So I asked my boss at the time, I asked him if I could have a Saturday off, and he said yes, and and it changed my life, of course. <laughs> this changed yours. Yeah, of course. And, and I've just, because for me, I just remember that moment that was like, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for. But you, when I think about your anatomy background, like how, what kind of moment was that for you? when you realized what it was. <laughs> it was awesome. As soon as David started to speak, I was like, who is this guy? How does he know so much about anatomy? <laughs> and finally, I had found a, an ART, active release technique. I was already full body certified in doing their, their uh, dissections. Uh, for They did demonstrations for um, sites of nerve entrapment and stuff at the uh, uh, lower and upper extremity. I already um, was uh, one of their uh, presenters. And so they were the only technique that I knew that was so anatomically involved. And then I heard David start to speak. I was like, wow, this blends in amazingly with things I'm already doing, like ART. And uh, I was baffled by his anatomy knowledge. And, and yeah, NKT has a very huge root in anatomy. And, of course, that would attract me like, you know, a fly. That's what I mean. I can imagine. I mean, you're... You're mm -hmm. learning anatomy, and now all of a sudden, now you have a direct way to apply it. Yeah. Yes. It seems amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, okay, well, you mentioned ART. Um, what other um, certifications or important certifications, um, you know, have you achieved or look to achieve? Uh, I have a uh, strong first level two gyra position, so that is um, the most advanced state of uh, kettlebell, and I use the kettlebell for rehabilitation. I have um, my CKFMS, which is Certified Kettlebell a Functional Movement Specialist, and so um, I can do the functional movement screen, but I also apply rehabilitative correctives using the kettlebell. 
um, SFMA, um, Selective Functional Movement Assessment, and that's uh, kind of the practitioner's version of FMS. They, um, we utilize, of course, I think your SFMA as well, um, for people to have pain, you definitely shuttle from the FMS, you shuttle them to an SFMA practitioner, and it's very helpful. It breaks down the body into big global movement patterns and really helps me to, um, to fine-tune that with things. Um, uh, ART, full body certified entrapment. Uh, I'll get researched up in June, so I'm excited about that. And uh, then I'm NKT level three. Awesome, awesome. And um, yeah. you know, I'm curious uh, the kettlebell thing. Um, how, how did you how did you get into that? Uh, Matt Tolstoy, NKT changed my life in a lot of different ways because I met Matt Tolstoy and Neil Snyder. Uh, they're Equinox trainers. Um, Neil's a, a trainer manager at Columbus Circle Equinox, and Matt Tolstoy well, at that time was not quite Tier 4 yet, the highest level of training, but he was just under that. And uh, I asked them for a ride home, fatefully, <laughs> and they gave me one. It turns out that Neil and I lived two blocks from each other, and Matt and I became fast friends. And Matt had asked me to come train with him at Equinox, and he asked me to swing a kettlebell, and I said, I have no idea how to use that thing. <laughs> he said, just pick it up and swing it, and I'll tell you what to do. And I was hooked mm. immediately. The um, the amount of control, and I had never experienced a sport where I was so cognizant of what I was doing wrong when I was doing it wrong. <laughs> so with a kettlebell, if it, if it feels easy, it's probably right. And... Um, I started to learn that and got really into that, and that's when I tested for my Russian kettlebell uh, challenge uh, that September. So it was the same September that I got NKT Level 1 certified, so that was 2011. Nice. Excellent. Awesome. Cool stuff. Now, um, just to change it up a bit here, you know, one thing that you're well known for is your daily duly noted. Now, Mm -hmm. where did you get the idea to come up with that? Too funny. Uh, it was the year before NKT. I guess I'm wrong with the year. The NKT was 2012, and my Russian kettlebell certification was 2012 because duly noted started in 2011. So I got the years off. But um, the year before, uh, I was in St. Louis teaching uh, gross anatomy for Logan College of Chiropractic, and I decided to make a New Year's resolution to post one health post every single day for 365 days. I was going to finally keep one resolution in my entire life. And uh, it turns out I did, and people had a response to it. It was really low-level response. It's still kind of low-level response. Um, but it, it, it was significant to a small group of people. They would message me stating, this really changed my entire outlook on the day, and I just want to thank you. And I was like, wow, people really do read this stuff. I thought it was going to be me and my mom, maybe. Uh, but she does, and she does read it. That's for sure. She does. Isn't she cute? She likes it all the time. Saying that's my baby girl. Um, she's great. Um, but yeah, uh, it turned out to be something that after a year, that's habit. That's straight up behavior. And so I couldn't stop. And so I just kept it going. I was like, oh, I'm already doing this. It's like brushing my teeth at this point. It's something that you just do without thinking. And every day I do it. It's just it pulls to me. It's like. If I haven't posted it, my whole, my day doesn't feel like it really started until it's posted. And um, the days that I can't get to it till about noon, I don't feel right. <laughs> I feel like it pulls. The most well, time I, I know. It, I mean, I know. I'm thinking a lot of times if I don't see something first thing, I'm like, "Is everything okay? Where's Cassie? Where'd she go? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on?" And then, and then there it is. I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> That's so great. That's so great that people – and you're not the only one. People have told me, um, like, like messaged me saying, are you okay? <laughs> Why haven't you posted today? My mom did that one day. She texted me saying, there was no duly noted this morning. Are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I'm funny. sorry. It's I got <laughs> Well, it's either it's, – well, you know what's even funnier? It's either – because, like, I pick up my phone first thing in the morning and I look at Facebook, I'm, I admit it, and your posts are usually the first thing there. Now, sometimes it's not there, and I'm like, oh, my God. So I go back, and sometimes it's like two hours before I'm even awake, there's a post there. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. And if I if I wake up early in the day, it's usually um, I've either written it the night before or right when I get up. A lot of times it's right when I get up. So it's the kind of the way that I wake up, and uh, I really like it. I, I like to wake up like that and say, oh, it looks right, duly noted. And uh, sometimes it's written on the train. I spend a lot of time on the subway. So sometimes I'll write it the, the day before. Yeah, that's well, that's my question is where do you get your inspiration from to write these things? Because, I mean, every day you know. <sighs> Yeah, that's that's and really it's just about paying attention to your environment. Um, it really has changed me as a human being. I know that sounds really dramatic, but it's the truth. Like uh, it's made me a really more observant human, and uh, it's made me internalize in a, a very different way. Um, I feel like I observe other people a lot more than I did in the past, and uh, and I I hear them a little bit better. I listen a little bit better because. A lot of my inspiration for doing noted comes from just listening to people. <laughs> some of my patients have said some really cool stuff, and I'll ask them permission, like, do you, have, do you give me permission to talk about this? And they're like, sure, they love it. And uh, and they'll just inspire me by just knocking my socks off by saying something poignant. And I'm like, wow, that's really inspiring. And I'm just as inspired by my patients as, as they are by me. It's definitely a two-way street. So it, it doesn't even have to be a patient. It can be just... <laughs> Someone on the subway, I might just observe something that's happening. And But you really do. Inspiration comes from everywhere. I've never had to hunt for it. It always just comes. Yeah, well, that's what's, I think, impressive. There's always something there, and it's always fresh, and it's it, it's amazing. It's it's definitely inspiring, that, that's for sure. Uh, now, now, as we talked about, you, you're a chiropractor, and you're in practice doing that. You, you're, you use kettlebells. You also, a big thing we talked about was anatomy. But, you know, not only are you in practice as a chiropractor, you also teach anatomy like you're doing right now. Um, you know, where where do you teach? I teach for, of course, you know right now I'm at St. George's Med. I'm a visiting professor for them. Uh, I teach, I have an appointment at um, Einstein College of Medicine. That's in uh, the Bronx. I have an appointment at NYU Dental. And so that's um, a little bit lower midtown, close to Chelsea. Um, I have um, adjunct membership at, uh, I teach for Cornell Med School in uh, New York. And I teach for Sophie Davis Biological Science School. That's a newer job that I got in January. And then I am an assistant for the New York College of Polytechnic Medicine as well. Now, how do you get all these these jobs? <laughs> I don't know. They just keep asking me. <laughs> That's crazy. And, uh, and so when you get an appointment, because I'm not really too, I'm not too familiar with that. How does that? What does that mean? An appointment. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, an appointment letter is kind of like an assignment. Uh, like it's um, it qualifies you as a faculty, basically. So, um, like I don't have an appointment with like Cornell. That I just kind of help them out in the lab um, as um, an adjunct. But um, when you have an appointment, um, you are more considered like a faculty member. So I'm considered faculty at NYU Dental and Einstein College of Medicine. Awesome. Awesome. Now, and is it like year-round or like how does that work? Yeah, I teach, I teach pretty crazy between the months of September and April. It's very intense. And then May, June, July, August or when I take really heavy acupuncture classes, I'm getting a master's degree in acupuncture. It's uh, taking me forever because of my <laughs> million jobs. But um, the um, this summer, I basically don't teach a ton, uh, other than for NKT, of course. But um, as far as my anatomy instruction, I don't teach a lot. Excellent. All right, yeah, because your schedule's starting to sound a little crazy. <laughs> it It is. It is. I mean, I, I'm unmarried. I don't have kids. It, it's easier for me. I don't have – I'm not married. I don't have children. So I have all those extra hours to spend, you know, doing that stuff. It would be quite different, I'm sure, if I, you know, had, a, you know, children to raise or, you know, a spouse. Um, but, you know, when you have all that extra time, you, you do things with it, you know. Excellent. So. That's what I'm doing. And it just, I mean, teaching anatomy, that must just be the ultimate um, job. I mean, it must be awesome. <laughs> I just know I'm not going to lie. It is. It, it's so cool. I mean, especially with the way that you can practically approach it. I mean, you can see everything. You can look everything. I mean, hands down, when my wife and I were in chiropractic school, anatomy lab was our favorite class. I mean, you had to peel us away. We were the last two people in that <laughs> class because it was just, it was so fun and exciting. 
And um, oh, I definitely envy all that. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, it's almost it's almost funny that you're getting paid to go and look at this stuff and teach this stuff. It's amazing. It's, it's I know. I can't even believe my life. It is like it's so bizarre. Like I really do love all my jobs: the anatomy, the NKT instruction, being a practitioner. I look. I, I end my day, and sometimes I'll work like a sixteen-hour day. And I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I'll come home and I'm like, I can't believe this is my life. This is so cool. Like, I have people that are wanting to make themselves better, (laughs) whether it's with, you know, becoming a doctor and, and, you know, learning anatomy, or they're trying to get certified in NKT, or they're trying to get themselves out of pain. Like, it's just unbelievable. And and they're seeking me and trusting me as, as their coach in some kind of variety of those three things. And it doesn't feel like work at all, like not what I was taught to believe what work felt like. And I'm still trying to, I'm still waiting for somebody to figure me out and say like, (laughs) wait a minute, she's not working. (laughs) No, you're having too much fun. This is ridiculous. I know. Yeah, well, you brought up something else too that you mentioned. You also do a a teach an NKT study group, right? Every, is it every week? Yeah. Every week on Mondays, I'm um, 8.30 to 9.30, we have a ball. We have so much fun. Um, it's I, I've missed that so much while I've been here. It's been uh, two weeks since I've been able to help a study group, and uh, Kento is just incredible. Um, he's been uh, taking over study group in, in times where I can't be there, and he, I mean, you wouldn't even know that I'm gone. He's just, he's completely awesome. But uh, this group is just so dedicated, and they're so smart. Oh, my God. We have such great conversations, and uh, that hour just really goes by so fast. No, I imagine everyone listening is definitely envious of that hour. That's that's for sure. That is we have sure. a ball. Oh, um, I wish I could get up there on a Monday night. That'd be great. <laughs> oh. We'd love to have you. Oh. All right, well, you let's see. So obviously you're having a lot of fun teaching, so that's great. Now, you've been teaching NKT for what, a year now, about a year, I think? Uh, not quite. Uh, July will be a year. Well, what what do you, what are some things you like about teaching NKT in particular? Uh, it's really special. I was really nervous in last July because, uh, you know, David is so flawless in the way that he teaches, and he makes it look very easy. And I know how difficult it is to be a teacher, so I'm very, you know, confident in my abilities. But I also was, you know, teaching his technique and it's his <laughs> you know he's the founder and I was like oh my gosh I just wanted to represent him and I know you can relate I wanted to represent he and NKT and the philosophy and the testing principles and um, I was so nervous but um, it was my first classes in St. Louis and it was kind of a home base for me and uh, it went great they loved it and we had such a great response and then the following weekend with Toronto and it was sold out and uh, I had a ton of assistants there for that. I think I had four or five assistants. Um, and it was just so much fun and such a blast. And that is the way that I combine the, the clinical anatomy and, you know, not, not just chiropractic, but the human movement. NKT for me was such a huge missing link because it was the big connector for me between what I know about anatomy and how I can really use my anatomy skills to help change the way a patient moves and help other people become better practitioners with that. And it's just changed everything about the way that I practice and the way that I do things. I see patients for an hour. It's minimum hour now. And you can book longer, but it's minimum hour. And we get so much done in that hour and they have to see me less. And I just see a bigger group of people. Um, it works great. Yeah, it sounds pretty amazing there. So, so you brought up you you know you teach anatomy and you teach NKT, um, and everyone's always loved your posts about you know how you apply them both. Um, I don't know what is, what's something common, you know, a common connection that you might see that might you know enlighten our listeners here. Something interesting. A common connection between NKT and anatomy. And, and anatomy, or, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, well, look, there's just some, something in lower back pain, for example, because that's commonly we see in our practice, somewhat lower back pain. Sure. Uh, a lot of people with uh, low back pain, they tend to create their low back pain by going into hyperextension, 
and um, a lot of them are set up for uh, that dysfunction because they might have an inability to have an effective weight belt to protect the low back from not working as the sole unit of the spine. And, and uh, the common theory of if it's hurting, it's probably working, although that doesn't always test out. It tests out a lot of times, especially with low back pain, that people really do recreate their pain. And within KT, you have a, a modality to use to, to be able to test to see which muscles may not be participating in the protection of the low back. And by testing some things, you might be able to find out who your culprits are so that you can have a, um, a goal, a, um, a modus to kind of uh, start to test and uh, to rehabilitate and, and just for me, a locale of where to treat and what to leave alone. Excellent. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what the, the, te- the NKT testing really makes um – practicing a lot more easier too because you can narrow down things um pretty pretty quickly so you can you t- tell me about your practice a little bit when you see a patient um you said you spent an hour what's the initial visit look like uh the initial visit is a lot of consultation of course because i have to you know get to know the patient we all know that with pain it has been very well documented there's a biopsychosocial component of pain so you have to handle the biology of the pain and discomfort, um, if there's a sociological component to that, if there's a psychological component to that. So um, I have a 15-page intake that I send to my patients uh, beforehand, and they need to send that back to me um, prior to their visit. And then I go over the fine points of, and details of, of their intake. And um, with the leftover time, we usually do a um, functional movement assessment uh, with the SFMA and uh, possibly some orthopedic tests, depending on what time is left. And then the second visit, we get really into the rehabilitative component. So we spend a lot of time moving. The, the patient's worn. They need to bring shorts and a, and a tank because they're probably going to sweat a little bit. And so I get them uh, moving and, and watching and analyzing their movement. I take a lot of video, and I upload them into a Dropbox. So they have a, a Dropbox set up for them so that they can go in and see videos with me coaching them on the video very, very effective. Patients love it. Um, they, the, the patients that tend to do the best with me are the ones that send me back videos to analyze. So at any given moment, I'm on my phone analyzing videos <laughs> for them. And um, it's completely different than any kind of practice I ever thought I could have. But you really do build it, and people come for it. <laughs> yeah, now, what kind, well, typically, what kind of cases do you see? Uh, it's, I mean, I see these days, I see a lot of, uh, you know, your basic low back pain, um, you know, sprain strains, uh, intervertebral disc herniations, uh, migraine. Um, since people know that I have a background in Chinese medicine, some people come to me for systemic issues like gastrointestinal issues, uh, bowel problems, urinary issues. Um, I recently have been treating more kids which uh, that really wasn't part of what I wanted to do. But, man, do kids really respond fast, and they really listen and they tell the truth, which is just so cool. Um, they don't hide anything, really, not the ones I've seen at least. And uh, I, I really enjoy working with kids, and I never thought that I would really have, you know, had that subspecialty, and I, and I don't really want to specialize in pediatrics as much as I, I'm interested in maybe helping the kids that I can help. And... Um, really, really uh, active. The, the stuff that I do is very rehabilitative-based. So while I still do chiropractic and still do myofascial release, um, the NKT corrections are, are, you know, a good part of what I do. Awesome. Now, do you do any, cause with the kettlebell stuff, do you do any performance type of stuff? Oh, yeah. I have uh, several uh, kettlebell gears that see me, um, you know, all three of my business partners are are Giras, and so um, they are constantly being assessed by me. And <laughs> and not to mention, you know, members of the SFG community. I'm very proud to say that I am um, a, a provider for several of the SFG athletes. But um, but yeah, I, I have helped people through performance issues that are not pain related. Excellent. And uh, well, you you mentioned something about your business partners. Um, where, where's your practice at exactly? 
My current practice is at um, Moving Body Resources. I'm an independent contractor out of them in Chelsea because we are building our own space in Midtown, and um, it's not quite open yet. It won't be open until July 1st. Yeah. So I'll be moving. (laughs) What kind of space? How big is it? Like, who's going to be there? Uh, It's it's pretty small. We're very minimalist. We're all kettlebell gearists, so (laughs) it's pretty small. Um, It's, I think, 2,200 square feet. So it's a real small space. It's a decent sized space for New York, of course, but um, and it's mostly just floor because we don't have a ton of equipment. We use kettlebells and barbells, and um, one of my uh, business partners is a Pilates instructor, so she'll be doing Pilates. But I'm not trained in that. I, my two of my partners and I are are all we're all strong first years, so our main focus will be with, with kettlebell. There's for performance and, and training, mine for rehabilitation and some training. Um, but it's, yeah, very minimal. <laughs> very minimal. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds, sounds pretty exciting there. And so yeah. currently, right now in your situation, um, how many days a week are you seeing patients? Uh, depends on if I'm in town or not. I, I definitely love to work. So if I'm in town and don't, I'm not teaching NKT or going to my own another seminar that on the weekend, I'll tend to work six or seven days a week, um, minimum Monday through Friday. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, any – well, I know you haven't been practicing right now, but in the past few weeks before you left, did you see any interesting cases? And can you share something with us? Oh, man, I, I have an octogenarian, which I find I find the geriatric population so inspiring. I have an octogenarian that uh, had first come to see me because he um, was just, he had bilateral hip replacement, so he was just really concerned about falling. And so um, I remember when I started to see him not too long ago, uh, he couldn't kneel to stand, which is a very important part of being able to get up off the floor. And now he does that like a machine, and he just really started to well up. And uh, he's like, I can't believe how much stronger I am now. To see someone at their late 80s take charge of their strength and their power and not use any excuses. He's never, ever using any excuses with me. He just shows up and he works. <laughs> and uh, we do a combination of chiropractic and active release and some NKT and uh, some kettlebell and uh, just an amalgamation of, of my different asserts. And he, has, he just runs off. He's just incredible. Um, while I've been here, three of my patients emailed me in one day to all tell me they're becoming strong for spirits. These are people that were came to me with pain and then boom, they got addicted to the kettlebell and all want to be now certified instructors. I, three in a day. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This is so cool. I, I didn't intend for that. Just something that they all wanted. Yeah, well, it makes a lot. It definitely inspires a lot of people to do that. In fact, I've I've noticed um, over the past few months that little by little, I see some SFG people taking NKT. Yes, they are. That's awesome. There's a master strong first. That's level one. Um, he's going to be testing out with me soon, and he's very excited to take level two in July in Boston. So, um, yeah, when a master SFG starts taking stuff, it's it's going to catch on to the SFG community. There's only I think 10 master SFGs, so um, it's as high as you can get besides Pavel himself yeah, <laughs> or CEO, that's, that's I guess. Crazy. Yeah, in fact, yeah. Uh, I believe the person you're referring to I have lined up to interview as well for a podcast in the future, so I'm pretty excited about nice. that. Nice. Yes, he is marvelous, genius. Excellent. Yeah, uh, I, from what I've seen and read, he, he seems like a pretty amazing person, so I'm pretty excited to get to get inside his brain as well. So, yeah, I can't awesome. wait to hear that one. Yeah, so, um, all right, well, um, let me just think here. Well, okay, just I, I kind of want to, if you can just give me one more case. Um, I'm just interested how you start with someone who's never picked up a kettlebell before to, you know, uh. they come in you in pain. You know, what, how, does, how long of a process is that, in, you know, generally until you got them swinging a kettlebell? Uh, for the swing, it might be a little bit later. It depends on if they have low back pain or not because uh, the swing itself, if they're having low back pain and they have 
poor motor control of their trunk stabilizers or if they use the low back as a fulcrum for movement instead of the hips, I have to first teach them how to basically do a deadlift or squat and, um, and be able to get them to mechanically be able to use the hips without using the low back because during a, a kettlebell swing, a kettlebell deadlift, a kettlebell squat, the low back doesn't really move much. It's supposed to be a stable point, a neutral spine, and the hips are the primary movers with a squat, the hips and knees, and uh, with a deadlift, primarily the hip. And um, if, you, if the patient can't even show me they can pick up their shoe off the floor, then I have to work them just with their shoe at first, with their handbag. And I'm a real police officer with posture and movement. Like if I if I see them pick up their shoes in a way that's not safe, I make it do it. I make them do it again. <laughs> I won't let them leave the office until they do it well. And so they, a lot of my patients say to me, "You're in my head all day." <laughs> and I I gotta tell you, that's what I want because I can assign something twice a day. But it's what they do and catch themselves doing. That's the stuff that counts. That's behavioral change. And I know human movement is simply behavior. If I can help them to make a behavior change, if they start to pick up their towel differently, pick up their shoes differently, then they'll be more prepared for the kettlebell. The kettlebell is just a a tool to implement behavioral change. And so if I can get them into a good behavior, then I start to load it but not until they're safe, not until they can do a basic hinge pattern without pain. If they can do a basic hinge pattern without pain, then we can start to load it. Excellent. Yep, excellent. That's awesome. And as you were saying that, and as you're inside your patient's head all day, you're definitely inside my head because when I see a patient, <laughs> when I see a patient you know, on their back kind of throw themselves up off the table, you know, aside from not vomiting, uh, the first thing I think of is, is you, you know, tell, tell getting that patient to lay right back down and getting them back up. So not only are you in your patient's head, you've got a lot of us that you're in our heads as well, too, because we don't want to see Oh, it, Isn't that amazing, <laughs> that little stuff that counts? It's the way they go from sit to stand in a chair. The exam has to start when they're in the waiting room. And Stu McGill, I pointed that out at his seminar last November, and and that's something that I do with all of my patients. I'm watching them, just watching them. You don't ever, ever turn your back on them. Watch them and hold them accountable to their movement because there is no magic rehab drill. There's no magic corrective. It's about behavioral change. And um, while, you, you know, people like you and I, we produce some great videos and some helpful videos, it's really about paying attention to that patient and teaching the patient how to pay attention to themselves. And the magic to my ears is when a patient says, oh, you know, I'm having a hard time doing that thing, but I caught myself. And I'm like, that's it. You're catching yourself. That's the magic. And they, they, they look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> but they get it. They get it pretty quickly. They're so smart because they – they they realize, oh, I'm catching myself, and that's something I never caught before. That's behavior change. Excellent. Excellent. That's a great goal to have with our patients, without a doubt. Well, you know, one big thing um, that I think about the NKT community that's so awesome is our our Facebook presence, our, the NKT Scholars page. Uh, it, it's such an awesome place for new practitioners to come and, and get some advice um, from advanced people, you know, or ask questions. And, um, you know, so what you have any advice you'd like to share for, uh, for some of the newer NKT students? Uh, yeah, I think that what, some of the feedback I get just in private emails, and you probably get this too as a lead instructor for NKT, I get private emails all the time saying, where do I start? Like, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. Where do I start? I tell them, you start in one place. <laughs> Just start anywhere. Start with breathing. Start with a core assessment. Start with the center of things and then project your way outwards. I think that um, a lot of people don't understand why David covers the low back first. And he covers the low back first because it's the core. And um, he talks about, the entire, you know, intrinsic system. And we get into the depths of that in level two, but in level one, you're basically just testing the core musculature. So definitely start there and then project your way outward. 
And when you get in trouble, you've got to ask. I think people are just a little nervous because they don't want to feel like they're not getting it. And I got to tell you, it took me a while to get in, KT. It took me a while because I just wasn't willing to ask and clarify my confusion. And that's what's so beautiful about the scholars page is that if you're confused, you'll have <laughs> 2,000 people ready to answer your question. For Pete's sake, use it. Um, and it wasn't like that. I know when you and I started out, it wasn't. It was a very small group, and now it's grown to be this massive, amazing thing. And it's what really sets NKT apart: the fact that we're all willing to share with each other and help each other grow. And there's so much weird competition with other techniques. Like no one wants to help another person. It's so weird. There's like millions of people that aren't experiencing care. We, We have no competition. There is no competition. You are your own competition. Um, and that's why NKT makes everyone rise to our standard because we're helping each other and we're promoting each other to improve that. Oh, NKT scholars is just the most genius thing. It really is. I feel a, a sense of community and um, a vernacular we all speak because of NKT philosophy and it, it, there's no place I know where I can post a case problem and then have thousands of qualified people offer me advice on where to go. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, especially in the past few weeks, some of the cases that have been posted on there and there's the people responding. Has been, it's amazing. It is. It's really truly developing into something amazing. And especially with all the different providers, you know, we have chiropractors, we have physical therapists, medical doctors, osteopaths, trainers, kettlebell instructors. Pilot- I mean, it's the list is non-stopping. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, you're right. Where mm-hmm. else is there something like this? It's amazing. There's not. <laughs> That's why it's so special. That's why it's grown exponentially in the last year. Um, it, it's, you know, I, I hear nothing but positive feedback about each one of the lead instructors. I know that, you know, David put a big trust in us to be able to carry on his technique, and, and I, I appreciate that every single day that he trusts us to represent NKT and and then to watch these practitioners blossom, whether it's, a you know, Someone, you know, like Rachel Williams, a Pilates instructor, she's brilliant. Like, I would put her next to any of my chiropractic colleagues. Just, she's ridiculously brilliant. And then you have other people like Ineas Janza, who's a prolotherapist, a medical doctor. I mean, and these people are responding to cases and presenting cases. There's just a, a gamut of people, but we're all treating people or assessing people that want to improve their human movement. That's what we all have in common. It's great. It's phenomenal. It, it is. It is. And, you know, just how you feel about, you know, how you were explaining about being in anatomy and just enjoying every moment when you're teaching. It's, it's how I feel every day with my patients as well. It's just, like, I'm, I'm busier than I've ever been, and I enjoy every minute because every case is a different challenge. And it's exciting because mm-hmm. I want to figure it out. <laughs> exactly. It's fun. So much fun. And, you know, earlier um, we were talking about, you know, a big thing of reasons why we do our things is is to learn. So um, what are some um, future courses that you have upcoming that you're going to be taking? Oh, I'm so excited. I just took DNS uh, Level A in April. I'm not quite certified yet. I have to take the test, but I've already been employing a lot of that. It goes very well with NKT. I really like it a lot. Um, especially for core stabilization um, uh, rooted in, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, developmental neuromuscular um, techniques and uh, primitive reflexing, and it's it, it really, really great. Um, I am super excited about Gary Ward in May. Um, his What the Foot book is fantastic and uh, really excited about anatomy and motion. Um, I'm taking DNS level B in Stanford, so that's exciting. Uh, dynamic neuromuscular stabilization for anybody who doesn't know what DNS is. It's awesome. It's the Prague School uh, for rehabilitation. Excellent stuff. Um, trying to think. I think it's, I, I, I'm really excited about spending the summer studying acupuncture because um, I had to put that on hold in September, and I got back in January, but I was only able to take one class because I was traversing the world teaching in KT, and then this summer I get to really focus on the acupuncture again, and um, I'm in my, uh, the end of my third year out of four, 
And so um, super excited to, to start to learn more about acupuncture and it's become a huge part of my systemic analysis of the body and just really, really excited about diving into that too. Yeah, it, that sounds like interesting stuff. I'll definitely have to have you take a look at me. Um, I'm gonna, I, I've never had acupuncture done. I'm, I'm, I'm always oh, it. oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's uh, very congruent with many, many principles um, with uh, many of the fossil trains that are uh, talked about with anatomy trains, and um, the, those are sinew channels in Chinese medicine, been used for 6,000 years. Um, Tom Myers just did a really great job of making it seem simple. Um, but um, very much like motor and plate points. If you're interested in, in studying those, they're very congruent with acupuncture points, and it, it just it's really really great stuff. Awesome. Well, as we're winding down here, um, I guess I have one final question: Is that you uh, are such an inspiring person for so many people? You know, as we talked about, you're duly noted that reaches so many people on so many different levels. Um, who would you say at in this point inspires you? Oh gosh. Uh, I have a lot of people that inspire me. Um, definitely David Weinstock is, is right up there, uh, at the, at the top of the list. Um, just his calm and his ability to be able to handle, um, just the way that he handles patients is really inspiring. And also the way he handles the class is so calm. It's kind of the opposite way that I do things. So I, I would love to adapt some of his calls. He's such a, a cool cucumber. He's great. He just knows how to let things just wash off your back. He's kind of always coaching me through that, saying, don't let things get to you. And he, he's really, really great about that. Um, he'll help me add, I think, a couple of, of years to my life. <laughs> he's great. Uh, great. Great cook is is someone to be Marvel. He's revolutionized physical therapy and um, and basically personal training via the FMS. And um, he just he creates a standard operating system and a set of principles. And I'm very big on principles and principle sets and being able to follow a system. And his SFMA and FMS are a huge part of my life, uh, which also led me to you know the kettlebell and um, strong first is, is their principle set. And, and a lot of people think that I'm anti-CrossFit, and they kind of, like, I don't know why they think that. I guess just because I have, I'm so, I feel so strongly about principle sets with Strong First, and I just, I just prefer Strong First. If <laughs> you want to do CrossFit, go on ahead, but I'm doing Strong First because it just makes me meet standards, and if I don't meet them, then I don't pass. And I don't know, I just admire that for some reason, that someone wants to keep me safe, but also wants me to be very fit, fit and safe. Um, so I'm very inspired by the Strong First community, um, Brett Jones and Dave Whitley and Mike Hartle, um, just phenomenal people. Artemis Scandalita is my coach. is just She inspires me every single day. The woman can do 15 strict tactical pull-ups. I mean, for a female to do that, for anybody, any human to do that, but a female. Those are the people that are really inspiring me the most these days. Well, that is awesome. Well... Thank you so much for allowing me to get inside your brain tonight. I, I greatly appreciate it. It was a, a pleasure uh, speaking with you, as always, and I look forward to seeing you, I guess, in two weeks at the Anatomy in Motion Seminar. So, Yay! <laughs> very excited about that. But um, if you are looking to take a class from Kathy, she will be teaching in Boston, uh, NKT Level 1 in June, and then a Level 2 in July. And then in August, uh, she'll be headed to Australia. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's a couple level ones and a level two plan there. So make sure you sign up. And remember, the early bird special uh, is one month ends one month before the day of the seminar. So uh, we need to make sure you get in and register for those. Uh, I'll be teaching a couple classes coming up. In a few weeks, I'll be in Denver teaching a level one. Uh, in June, I'll be in New Jersey teaching a level one. In August, uh, I'll be teaching a level two in New Jersey. Uh, September, I have Detroit. October, Ar Arizona. And I'm so close to finalizing Atlanta in October. Very close. Almost there. <laughs> Almost great. There. Almost there. I've been trying for months. It's so close. But anyways, uh, you can catch us there. If, if you're interested in hosting an NKT uh, Level 1 seminar and we haven't been to your area and you think you can get 
enough people. Uh, we'd love to come out. There's a couple of different instructors that are available for that. So make sure you contact uh, David. You can contact him through his Facebook page or or, or through the neurokinetictherapy.com website. One plug I haven't given recently is to David's blog on on the NKT uh, or neurokinetic therapy website. He hasn't updated it much, but there's so many valuable lessons in those pages that if you're looking uh, for places uh, as to where to look for problems, his blog has the answer to many of your patients or clients' issues. So make sure you check out his website and you check out his Facebook page as well. Again, be sure to like the Inside the Brain Facebook page. And again, thank you for joining me, and I look forward to speaking to you next time.